Welcome to It's an EDRN. Today we are talking about workplace violence, specifically patients who kick, punch, spit, throw, scream, and yes, grab us by the wrist. We're told it's part of the job and the underlying message there is just suck it up, but is it? Should we? Let's discuss. I'm your host in EDRN and I hope you'll stick around to listen. It's an E. It's a D. It's an ED. It's an E. Dance for emergency. It's a D. Dance for department. It's an ED. Not erectile dysfunction. Episode 9, an EDRN is grabbed by the wrist. Welcome to my podcast, it's an EDRN, I'm your host in EDRN, and today we are talking about the dangers of nursing, specifically being a nurse in the hospital setting and how that places you at an increased risk for violence, and what can we do about that? So if you're new to the show, um, I'm not new to nursing. I've been a nurse for 10 years, almost 11 years now, actually. I'm going to have to change that in the notes. Uh, The first five years I did med surge, ICU, critical care stuff. Um, And then the second five years, I guess, I was a nurse administrator. I was a nurse manager. Um, You can listen to all of those details, um, all the hot gas, in a previous episode. but. Today, we're not talking about that. We're talking about workplace violence. And since I have been back to bedside over these last like five, six months, I've been working in an emergency department and I have two stories (laughs) just in those past five months um, of being grabbed by the wrist. The first story is of a terrified 91-year-old who came in not confused, but also kind of elderly and frail and soaked in their own urine. And in the negotiation to get their clothes off, which they did not want me to do, and I wasn't just going to let them sit there in urine, um, we turned this patient, and in the act of turning, they became really afraid and grabbed my wrist so hard. (laughs) Like so hard, digging their little like jaggedy nails into my skin, um, because I mean, they thought they were gonna fall out of bed, and so I, I just reassured them like you're not gonna fall, and and then I kept saying their name and saying I need my wrist back, I need my wrist back, I need my wrist back, and on the fifth time they they released it, and I was able to do everything that I was needing to do. The second story is not a terrified elderly person, but an angry 24-year-old who did not want me to swab them for COVID because they don't believe that it's real. So they were having all the symptoms (laughs) of COVID when they came in. And so, of course, They were sent back to me, and I was working in our um, COVID testing area that day, and I let them know what I was going to do. They kind of rolled their eyes, and when I went in with that swab, they grabbed my wrist. And my immediate 
response was let go of me. Just like that too. Let go of me. And I walked out of that room, that little like, well, room. It's really actually a shower, uh, but that's logistics. Anyway, I walked away is the point of that. And I told the person I was working with, they're refusing the test. And I messaged the doctor, they're refusing the test. Because I don't fuck around with people who don't lack capacity who grab me. I'm not fucking with that. I remove myself from the situation. And I imagine, (laughs) can you tell I feel like really specifically um, a certain way about that? (laughs) Everything inside of me It's a rush of adrenaline and it is a fight or flight response. And it takes everything within me to say, let go of me, to be very specific in my command and then walk out of that room, remove myself from that person. Because who I am in that moment is a very primal, visceral version. And I don't want that coming out toward a patient, even a violent patient, because it's not appropriate. (laughs) But what is appropriate is being very clear about what that person needs to do and then getting the hell out of there. Anyway, workplace violence. Um, So I have some statistics, and these statistics are from an OSHA bulletin on workplace violence and their recommendations to health organizations. And it was updated last in 2015. So this is kind of older data. but. We'll be pulling in some more um, recent data uh, later on in the episode. If you want to read this for yourself, by the way, just Google OSHA guidelines for preventing workplace violence for healthcare, and then look for the .gov link, the .gov link. Um, And it should take you to a PDF of it that's in like white, gray, and red. (laughs) Um, Or you can just copy and paste. I'll put a link in the show notes. By the way, If anyone ever gives you statistics like hard numbers and percentages, they should also be providing you with very specific instructions on how to find that source material. Because, I mean, as nurses, we know that this is citing your sources and it's it's important in evidence-based research. And it's also important to understand that interpretation of data is a learned skill. And it is oftentimes distorted either intentionally or unintentionally to meet the needs of the speaker. So always validate data you are handed. Always validate that the numbers are in fact correct and that the way the numbers are being presented is also accurate. Anyway, from that OSHA bulletin, here are some numbers. For those working in not healthcare, about 3% of workplace injuries that result in missing days of work are related to an assault at work. And OSHA cites the Bureau of Labor Statistics in in that data. For healthcare workers, that same number is about 11%. So what this means is that of the times we as nurses miss days of work because we are injured, 11% of the time that injury was caused by an intentional assault at our workplace. So we're not talking about straining our back, turning a patient or reaching for something, or slipping on a flush cap, which I have done. Um, We're talking about assault, 
violence, abuse. According to statistics from the National Crime Victimization Survey, healthcare workers have a 20% higher rate of workplace violence than all other workers. Now, those statistics, and again, you can Google National Crime Victimization Survey, healthcare workers statistics. Um, those statistics are pulled from uh, a date range that is 1993 to 2009. So that data needs to be updated, <laughs> to say the least. Um, although under 20% of all workplace injuries are suffered by healthcare workers, we account for 50% of all workplace assaults. So think about that for a moment. Under 20% of all workplace injuries are suffered by healthcare workers. So there are other industries where workplace injuries are far higher. But for all workplace injuries across all industries, we account for 50%. Of assault. Half of the time when a worker in the US is injured because of an assault, it's a healthcare worker. It I mean, that's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, here's some more numbers. According to a 2013 OSHA report, so this is data that they pulled from 2013. 80% of all serious violent incidents against healthcare workers were caused by patients. I think when I started giving statistics, the implication was that all of these were a result of violence perpetrated by a patient, but actually they represent 80%. And the other breakdown is very interesting because... <laughs> It's like coworkers, visitors is certainly in there. So friends and family of your patient. And then like there's this tiny sliver of nursing students. I was like, what? Or maybe it just says students. I don't have it pulled up right now, but um, very surprising. Actually, hold on. I'll look it up because I linked it in my notes. Let's see. Oh, it just says students. 3% students. So, yeah, 80% of the time it's a patient, 12% of the time it's categorized as other client or customer. So they're not a patient yet or friends and family. I don't know what that means, but student, 1% of the time, that's surprising. Um, High volume emergency departments, not surprisingly, are among the highest risk areas for workplace violence. In 2015, OSHA, in their report, this updated report, they, they go so far as to say, and I'm quoting here, quote, it should also be noted that research has found that workplace violence is underreported, suggesting that the actual rates may be much higher, end quote. So we're the winners, we're the highest across all workplace settings, and yet it is vastly underreported. So we're already posting record numbers, and we're not even taking credit for all the workplace assaults. As previously mentioned, this data in some cases is from 
the you know mid two thousands, mid twenty tens. Um, but there is emerging data that suggests that it is not getting better, and certainly it is not getting better in light of a global pandemic. So one such study, a 2021 study that was published in the online journal Workplace Health and Safety, basically they conducted this study by putting out a, an anonymous survey link on social media outlets. And of the respondents, 373 respondents completed all of the required information. And this was sent to nurses specifically. I know that healthcare workers kind of encompasses physician nurses and techs. But what you'll find, if you, if you can parse out which healthcare workers, you can almost always just say nurses. Outside of the emergency department. In the emergency department, physicians seem to be experiencing assaults at generally the same rate. Um, and a lot of online, like the AMA has information about that related to physicians. But this was nurse specific. So they put out this online survey. And of the 373 respondents, 44.4% reported experiencing physical violence, and 67.8% reported experiencing verbal abuse. And that is not ever. That is in a very specific time frame between February and June of 2020. So they got a survey, and they were asked whether they experienced Either of these things just between February and June of 2020 and, and 44% reported physical violence and 67, almost 68% verbal abuse in a five-month period. They also concluded in this study that nurses taking care of COVID-19 patients experienced higher rates of both physical violence and verbal abuse. 118% and 110% respectively. Now, I always look at methods when I'm reading a research article, and that's how I knew that this was a survey put out on the social medias. And a convenient sample is when you just kind of take the data from people who respond. And in, in terms of research, a convenient sample and a, an anonymous survey is not like the height of research. But here's the thing. Is it a lie? You're a nurse. You work in the hospital. Where's the lie? You know? This is consistent with my 10 years of experience. It's consistent with my lived experience, which is not always a great marker of, of whether or not something is true because we do, un, we do need to recognize um, confirmation bias, which is when we look for data and evidence of something that we want to believe. I just don't see that I want to believe that I'm this much at risk for assault. In fact, this is something I try to forget about, to be honest. When I go to work. Um, but, but you don't want to take just one study. So in November of 2020, um, National Nurses United surveyed 15,000 registered nurses across the U.S. and found that 20% reported increased workplace violence. 
and you can read about that on their website, National Nurses United. Um, that's a very large sample size, 15,000. And the fact is we all have stories. We all have stories of being grabbed by the wrist. We all have stories of being screamed at, certainly. And most of us have stories about having things thrown at us or being punched or being kicked or, or just having a patient gesture in our direction, you know, that kind of like checking you or a patient that uses sexually inappropriate comments to kind of test the water because that's violence too. We don't always categorize it like that, but that very much is violence. And as we've heard, these instances, especially of physical violence and verbal abuse potentially, they are way underreported. So what can we do about it? The Joint Commission requires all accredited hospitals to have workplace violence prevention standards. And this expectation was just revised as of January 1st, 2022, and you can find it also on the interwebs. It specifically places the onus of preventing workplace violence on hospital administrators and calls on them to analyze the current workplace violence strategies for effectiveness every year. Develop a process for reporting, tracking, and trending and responding to workplace violence events, reporting their findings to bedside staff, training and providing workplace violence prevention resources to staff, and developing policies and procedures to address workplace violence, including providing psychological counseling when appropriate. Basically, what this means is your boss and their boss and their boss are required to provide you with the resources you need to limit instances of workplace violence as much as possible. And our duty as nurses is to utilize those resources. So think about the hospital you work in. What are your institution's policies on workplace violence? How is your institution identifying violent offenders? How is your institution providing you with reports and statistics on workplace violence in your institution? How are you supposed to report instances of workplace violence? What's the expectation there? What happens when the violent behavior is not corrected? And here's a hint. If nothing happens, that's not a workplace violence prevention strategy. It's permission. If a patient is violent towards you, if a patient throws something at you, screams at you, is sexually inappropriate with you, and you report that to your charge nurse, and you report that to your manager, and nothing happens, and the behavior continues, that's permission. Here's how we dealt with this on my unit when I was a manager. And it's something I'm very proud of. When a patient acted out, aggressively in any of those forms, they were put on a contract. And whether they signed that contract or not, it still held. And the contract stated that if they acted out in that or any other category of violence one more time, they would be escorted off the unit and out of the hospital. That's it. Zero Tolerance means zero tolerance. It means following through. 
And by the way, I as the manager did not need to be there for this to happen. If it's 2 a.m. and that patient screams at you that second time, they're out. They have acknowledged that that's them leaving against medical advice because their behavior is not consistent with a healing environment. It is disruptive to the care of others. And they do not lack capacity to make those kinds of choices and to act like an adult human person. And let me tell you, that was nearly a year of working with legal and risk and patient experience and upper management and network CNOs and CEOs and CMOs and all of it to to get that in effect. But we got that in actual written policy. And those nurses are protected to the extent that we possibly can. When I say I don't fuck around with people who don't lack capacity and who grab me, I am not joking. <laughs> anyway, let's get into some tips and tricks. All right, it's time for some tips and tricks, so let's get into it. Tip number one. It's not your fault. It's not your fault that that patient became violent. The greatest predictor of violence is a history of violence, not whether or not you were fast enough with that Dilaudid. It has nothing to do with you. They are following a pattern of behavior that they established long before they ever met you. It's not your fault. Tip number two. It's not your fault. It's not your fault you got hit. The level of hypervigilance we as nurses have to adhere to in all areas, but also in terms of avoiding assault on a daily basis, is completely unattainable and unsustainable. For every time I've been hit, I can think of 10 times I avoided being hit. It's not your fault. Tip number three. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's not your fault you don't want to report that instance of workplace violence. It's exhausting. Being assaulted is exhausting. Reporting it is exhausting. The way it's considered rote, just because we're nurses and probably because we're predominantly women, is exhausting. I'm tired. You're tired. We just want to go home. It's not your fault. And finally, I have one trick. Recognize that it's not your fault. Practice saying it to yourself, like goodwill hunting the shit out of yourself every day and find someone in your life who will say this to you as well. Let's be that person for someone else. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell your nurse friends to listen. If your workplace hangs signs that say, we're a zero tolerance zone for violence, ask your manager what that means. Ask them what trainings are available to you to prevent workplace violence. How can you report it? How will you be compensated when you miss work for a court appearance after you've reported it? The onus is on them, not us. Thank you for listening, and have a safe shift. If an EDRN is written and produced by me, our senior editor is me. The theme song is written and performed by, tragically, also me. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the standards and positions of any healthcare entity that I may or may not be working for. Although I am a nurse, things I say on this podcast are not a stand-in for professional medical advice and everything you hear from randos on the internet should absolutely be validated across multiple other reliable sources.